There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Hello everyone and welcome to Sci-Fi Talk on the Fangirl Zone, a podcast where we discuss shows on the Sci-Fi Channel. I'm Sean Fangirl S. And I'm Steve, and tonight we'll be discussing Episode 9 of Season 3 of The Expanse. Which hey, is... Hey, Sean. Yes? Guess what episode we're on of Sci-Fi Talk? I think it's a special episode. What are we on, Steve? The 200th episode. That is insane. Yes, it I is. can't believe we've been doing this for 200 episodes, plus our other shows, but this is nuts. That Sci-Fi has had so many shows, and this is in less than... Two years. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's a lot of episodes. Yes, it is. Oh, that's a lot of editing. Wow. So for our two hundredth episode, I and and I'm trying to figure out how to send something to Fred because Fred has been awesome sending us feedback. But for the next three people that send us in any kind of email. I'm going to send something out to you guys from our prize pack. So send us an email with your address, and I'll send stuff out. And Fred, if you want to include it, I'm pretty sure I can send you stuff to the Netherlands. It just may take a really long time for you to get it. <laughs> Slow boat to China. <laughs> I'm sorry, four people. So with Fred, I want to send out a total of five things, because this is awesome that we have 200 episodes. So Yes, it really is. I have some books and pins and Funko Pop figures and t-shirts, and all sorts of stuff. So, five people, send me some email at contactus at fangirlzone.com. It could just be like, hey, pick me. <laughs> I'll be okay yeah. with that. <laughs> all right. We don't really have a whole lot of news, but I kind of do, because I don't know if we've mentioned this yet. One of our sci-fi shows, Winona Earp, is coming back in July. And I believe we originally thought it wasn't coming back till later this, like much later this year. Right. So we have both Killjoys, Winona Earp, coming back next month, which is exciting. Yes. It's like a nonstop craziness with yeah. these strong women. And speaking of strong women, we had we had some strong women in this show that I can't even talk about because I'm like so super excited that we're on episode 200. Oh my gosh. Okay, so let's talk about ratings, and I will try to compose myself. <laughs> All right. Episode 9 had a 0.16 in adults 18 to 49 with 0.568 million viewers, making it the 45th rated cable show for the day. We actually got some live plus 7 our every other week. Episode 7 tied for 10th in adults 18 to 49 percentage gain going from 0.2 to 0.4 for an increase of 100%. And it also tied for 18th in viewers percentage gained going from point. 626 to 1.179 million viewers for an increase of 88%. Nice. Yes. So nice. I'm sure Amazon will love having those numbers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Amazon has some great shows. I'm glad we're getting it. And hey, while you're watching it for next season, you can also buy the books on there. Make it easy. That's right. <laughs> it's a twofer. Yep. All righty. So, Steve... Episode 9. We're getting so close to the end, I'm getting sad. Yes. But it's getting so crazy. So, all right, just go ahead, because I'm like, ah, like a little kid with too much sugar right now. Intransigence. The Rosanati seeks a new game plan as they attempt to avoid capture. Melba's true motives are revealed, and Naomi is torn between identity and ideal. Anna seeks a way to stay on board the Thomas Prince. So, interestingly enough, we did not get one of the super strong women in this episode, Avasalara. I'm getting a little upset we're not seeing her. Right. Or Bobby. <laughs> yeah, that's your say The second strongest, even though probably the other way around, but whatever. Uh, yeah, no Bobby. I don't know what's going on. Although this was a really big belter episode. 
Oh, yeah. So I did like that. And I do have to point out, when we were tweeting this episode, and I don't know if you had caught it, somebody's like, hey, why have they taken away all the swear words? I thought we were getting them this season. Which I did notice that myself, like they dubbed it. Right. But then somebody's like, oh, I think they're saving them all up for Ava Solara. So that means like one of the last <laughs> episodes is probably going to be just like all F-bombs. Right. Because she doesn't really hold back. And I'm starting to think that's the way we're going. But anyway, let's talk about some women that I was kind of surprised with the way it went. Yes. On the Thomas Prince, Anna and the other passengers aboard the Thomas Prince receive a message from... Secretary General Avasalara, that in light of the attacks, all civilians' ships are being called back to Earth. You go, wow, okay. Right. It's like, okay, why are you doing that? Well, they are afraid that they don't want to lose any civilian lives that are unnecessary. Yeah, but it's not like those people were sent there, forcibly sent there. No, they had all not at all. Requested to go. That's why I thought it was kind of weird. Yeah, Avasalara's not taking a chance of losing any civilian lives. Yeah. If anybody's going to get killed out there, it's going to be military people. I guess that's what she's doing, and I'm sure it has nothing to do with pressure from home or anything. Right. Yeah. Meanwhile. Yeah, Melba <laughs> chats with some of the other workers about hazard pay. For those who stick around, and Wren, who the others assume died on the Sun Yun, which, yes, sorta, and she overhears a woman talking to Anna whose voice she remembers. Oh, yeah, this was interesting. It wasn't even the voice so much, it was the laugh. Yeah. And then we get the flashback, and I'm like, what is this? Yeah, I immediately tweeted out, oh, is, uh, Melba's super spy now? That's what I was thinking. I'm like, <laughs> is she some co- sort of like OPA spy or some other kind of resistance we don't know about? Right. Because you see her at this like really fancy dress party, and we're assuming it's on Earth, and you see that the woman who was laughing is this kind of over-the-top obnoxious socialite. <laughs> Good to see those haven't died out in the future. Yeah. <laughs> But it gets weirder. Yeah. As Melba heads off to find the guest of honor and surprise. What? It's J.P. Mal and his daughter, Julie. Yeah. Who, I swear, Julie looked so different. (laughs) So I'm like, and I tweeted that. And I I was actually messaging Steve, too. I'm like, is that Florence Favor? Or is it that we haven't seen her look really weird because she doesn't have protomolecule all over her. Right. Yeah, I think that's probably more <laughs> more it. And it's been so long since I had a chance to actually talk to her in person when I interviewed right. her for, for the first season. So I'm like, it doesn't look like her. And I'm like, okay, it's got to be just, it's been so long. Right. And of course, last time we seen her, she was crash landing into Venus and <laughs> basically blue and see-through. So, yeah. Yeah. And she looked very, like, motorcycle chic, didn't she? Yeah. (laughs) You can tell she is definitely the rebel of this family. Yes, yes. I'm okay with that, because the other one seems so stuck up. And, of course, Dad is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, yes, Melba is Julie's sister and the more responsible and more loyal daughter, shall we say. Oh, yeah. And... I feel that she was definitely right on board with everything her father was doing and saying. Yeah, absolutely. But also, I feel like she was doing it so she wouldn't be, like, the black sheep of the family. So that way she would, like, so basically stay in the will, is what I'm saying. (laughs) Right, yeah. Oh, yeah. You could tell that, yeah, she was the one who, the daughter who was making sure she was going to get her piece of the pie when dear dad uh, passes. Right. Where Julie didn't care about that at all. Yeah. She just wanted to do what she wanted to do, and she quits the racing team in a huff after telling her father she wants nothing to do with him and his corruption. And then even Melville's like, oh, I can take her place, and he just kind of scoffs at her. Yeah, he's like, no way. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay then. 
I think he really does think of her more as just like something to be there, like a vase. You can look at it, but it's not really being used. Right. So we go back on board the Thomas Prince, and Anna watches as everybody makes their plans to return home, and she spots Miss Tilly Fagan, the socialite from earlier, and approaches her. Oh, yes. Fagan is like, oh, yeah, you know, have fun. And it's like, wait a minute, you're not leaving? She's like, no, I have connections, basically, is what she said. Or blackmail. Yeah, I love the way yeah. she put it, yeah. <laughs> Uh, extortion web, but I like blackmail. Right. It sounds so much better. <laughs> and Anna look at, looked at her like, what? Okay. Hey, any chance you can help me? Yeah, exactly. I was surprised. Yes. But I, I guess at this point, she's like, lie, cheat, and steal to get what you need to stay there. And I'm really surprised that Anna's like, yeah, let's go in. I want to go through into the craziness that just killed somebody. It's like, oh. Is that a good idea? <laughs> yep, she's wants to be there for first contact. I know, yes, the first miracle in, in her lifetime. Right. I don't know. I mean, I get it, but at the same time, personally, I'd be like, oh, I'm not sure I'm willing to do this. Yeah. <laughs> so I understand all the people that are like, we've got to go. Oh, yeah. But Fagan, dang, she's making it sound... What's the word I'm looking for? Just incredibly self-indulgent. Yeah. Because in order to get Anna, okay, I should say in order to help Anna, she basically wants her to say that she's not doing it for anything good. Right. You want to indulge in a selfish desire to be part of something amazing. And then when Anna's like, well, yeah, then she's like, okay. Like, wow, are you trying to corrupt her or what are you doing? Like, I didn't quite understand that. Well, Fagan also admits that she's, um, what, an over-the-hills debutante. So, yeah, she's just trying to find a ways to get her jollies now. <laughs> okay, I feel like there's probably a better way, but you do you. Yeah. <laughs> so we go back to Melba and the crewmates, and they're cleaning out Ren's locker, and... Discussing Holden's recording, and of course, Melba makes sure she gets a dig in about doubting everything else about Holden that's supposed to be true. Now, why do you think she said that? Because the whole thing came down that he was uh, basically trying to find Julie Mao? No, no, she's she's got it in for Holden because he's the one who captured her dad and got her dad locked up. Oh, oh, wait, because of everything that comes out later. Yeah. Oh, duh. Yeah. That's that's what we thought this might be something to do with the OPA. No. No. This is all malvengeance. This lack of cognitive thinking is what happens when I don't have any caffeine. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Let me follow the bouncing ball through this. Come on, Sean. I was a little upset, though, when they were going through um, Ren's locker. Right. Because the first thing that, what's her name, Soledad does, she grabs, like, the performance review, and she's reading that. It's like, dude, the guy just died. I mean, you don't know how, obviously, but right. the guy's dead, and you're like, oh, oh, well, this sucks. I don't start trouble. Oh, this. Oh, you, you're up for a promotion, and then get to Melba. It's like, oh, you can be a, a great tech if you get, have some monitoring. Let's throw some salt in that wound. But yeah. you murdered him. And that was not a good thing. I'm thinking that's not going to reflect well, but yeah. good thing that's <laughs> that performance review is over with. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think she'll be uh, a technician too much longer. No, no, probably not. <laughs> so we go back to another flashback and we see Melba and Julie having an argument after Julie walked out of the party. And yeah, you can see just how different these two girls are. Oh, yeah. And Julie basically saying what I said, like, you're not going to be what he wants. You're not good enough for him. It's like, oh, whoa, that's kind of messed up. Yeah. Uh, but, of course, Melbourne calls her selfish and condescending and ungrateful. Oh, yeah. And then saying, what are and you going to do? she's the one. Yeah. 
<laughs> right, right. Basically, like, what are you going to do? Run off and help the belters? Right. I was just listening to it like, oh, my gosh. You act like it's, like, the stupidest thing ever. And it's just, like, seeing so how she's so far removed from society, you know, being, like, this spoiled rich kid. It's like, you know what? Oh, my God, your sister has some compassion about what's going on, and you don't care. Right. You're the spoiled little rich kid, yeah. not Julie. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I, yeah, I was really not liking Melba. No, not at all. Or Clarissa, I think, is her real name. We'll go with Melba so I remember who she is. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have Anna back in the, the present here. Introducing herself up on, I, I thought it was the bridge, but I really don't think it was, because why would those two oh. be by themselves? Right. She's talking to Melba and introducing herself and saying that she's committed for the trip through the ring. And she's like, but I'm feeling a little overwhelmed right now. I think she was mostly just trying to get, like, where Melba was comfortable talking to her because she knew something was up. Right. And Melba just seemed, like, still distant. And I don't know if it's because she doesn't want anybody to know what she's doing. Right. Or if she just does not know how to talk to people. Like, I'm kind of, like, on the fence with which way, which way I should go with that. Right, yeah. She's just not wanting to talk, not wanting to get close to anybody. Okay. But, I mean, she, Melba does admit she knows what that feels like, like, being overwhelmed. And Anna, again, trying to make that connection. She's like, oh, well, what made you decide to stay? And then that's when we have another flashback. Yeah. <laughs> and this really was very interesting to see. Because as a pain in his butt as Julie was... He still has this great admiration for her. Yeah. While despite all of Melba's loyalty, all you are is a party planner. Oh, that was so wrong. I'm like, (laughs) that is not cool, dude. No. I couldn't believe that he was saying that. I was like, wow. That's something that I just don't think I'd ever think a parent would say. No, not at all. Yeah. That sucks. So, of course, this is basically what lays the groundwork for what's going on. Because she feels like she can't, there's nothing she can do to please her father. Right. And now he's in jail, so what can I do? Well, the only way to please him is to get rid of the guy who put him in there. Okay, yeah. That's why I said just wasn't connecting the dots there. Sorry, guys. <laughs> But then, of course, we come back, and then Melba back there with Anna, and she's like, "Oh yeah, it's the hazard pay." Right. And then she just like she really right, and then she just like wanders off, like, oh, "Okay, I guess we're done with this conversation." Yeah. So she goes and finds the bags they packed for Ren and his communication device, which she records a message. Yeah, and it's cool because she starts with telling Ren's kid he was a good man. Right. And I thought this was going to be all because of the guilt. Right. But no. no. Takes a different turn. Yeah. Please get this message to my father, Jules Pierre Mal. Yeah, that one. I was like, okay, you, so basically you're admitting that your your father, who the who's the terrorist, you're going to give this information to some random person. Right. And I'm guessing you're hoping you're not coming back out of the ring is all I'm thinking. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I don't believe she thinks she's coming out. Yes. And then for a second when she starts, because her first line is, Daddy, everything you feared about the protomolecule has come to pass. So I was thinking that, okay, maybe she's going to try to clear his name and destroy the protomolecule. Or on the other hand, maybe she was trying to taunt him with this. I wasn't right. sure which way here. Which way it was yeah. going right. <laughs> but then it kind of went different. Yeah. So instead of being held as a visionary, you're rotting away in jail. Again, taunting or not, I can't fix that, but I can destroy momentary pause. And I'm like, right. oh, oh, where are we going? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the man who brought you low. Wait, what? Yeah. That's something Julie could never do or would never do for you. I just wanted you to know that. Wait a second. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at 
it it could have gone any way. And then all of a sudden it's like, I'm going to kill Holden. Yeah. What? All this is to get revenge on Holden. Okay, you just admitted that your father feared that something like this could happen. But you're totally cool with this having happened? Is that what it is? And you're you're yeah. more mad at one person? Oh my yep. god, seriously. Yeah. Your father almost destroyed a planet. Yeah. He was willing to kill kids. And yeah. you're worried about Holden. <sighs> you are so <laughs> far removed from Julie. Yeah. And at least Julie could see what her father was actually capable of, where Melba doesn't. Right. It's like, come on. Yeah, I'm sure she thinks that everything that they, all the charges they brought up on her father are all just trumped up charges. No, they're real. Right. <sighs> this is what he's done. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, the, the Thomas Prince is going to be the last ship in the ring, but it's going to get pretty dicey in there real quick, I think. Yes, I, I am right on board with you. Haha, <laughs> you see what I did there? Yeah. <laughs> I'm and a nerd. Speaking of <laughs> on board, we're on board the behemoth now. Oh, uh, yeah, that's pretty, yeah, behemoth-sized ship. Uh, you don't know how much room's in that ring at this point. I'm not sure if you want to go in, but they're going. Oh, yes, they are. And they're still having the power failures. And Naomi, of course, being the chief engineer, should be working on it, but she just wants to know whether the missile hit its target or not. Oh, yeah. And... I understand Naomi being pissed because, of course, Ashford's trying to give her orders and she's just like, I don't know you. Yeah, you're not my boss. <laughs> and then Drummer. Now, Karagi. Yeah, she was amazing in this episode. Oh, yes, she was. Oh, yeah. This was like so her episode. But so Drummer's like, I'm the one who gave the order to fire. And if you need to be mad at somebody, be mad at me. But right now you need to work. Hate me later. Work now. Right. <laughs> I was like, she kind of half-assed apologize, but it was more like, okay, we could very well be sinking, you know, sinking ship, fix this, and then we can have it out later. Right. Which it's like, I get it. You're on board this ship, too. You, you know, you don't want everything to fail. Right. But, oh, she was so strong in this episode. I love Drummer. Yep. So later, Ashford goes to find Naomi and tells her that the Rossi is still likely intact. If the MCRN is pursuing it. And he also informs her they're planning on heading through the ring themselves. Orders be damned. Well, I mean, if the UN was ordering civilian ships, and granted, the behemoth isn't exactly a civilian ship anymore. No. I mean, I get it. They're like, you know, whatever. The belt's going to be its own nation. They're going to follow orders from themselves. Right. the MCRN, they sent a ship in after the Rossi. So, right. yeah, it's not like everybody's just going to sit outside the ring and do nothing. We'll just wait here. It's <laughs> totally fine. Although, I don't know. I might be like, mm, do I want to go in there? Right. What if it's like a big <laughs> exactly. mouth and it's going to eat me? I don't know. Oh, but, of course, it, it was so strange because he can tell that Naomi is thinking about the Rossi. Basically, everything she's doing is almost like autopilot. She's getting everything fixed, yeah. but you can see there's conflict. And when he has this little talk with her, right. I and I tweeted this out, too, and I'm like, the way he said it was, uh, I don't have the exact words, something along the lines of, sometimes we go back, backwards because of guilt and, and uh, nostalgia. Right. So I'm thinking, okay, is he saying that because she came back to the Belters? Um, that's how I took it. That's how I took it. And basically he helped convince her that what she, the the decision she made to come back to the belters was a mistake. See, I wasn't sure if that was it or if he was talking like going back to the Rossi would be the mistake, but I really felt he's saying like coming back to the belters is a mistake. Okay. And I didn't know if it was because he had some nefarious plans uh, that could be. And he's like, she's going to get in the way because Drummer's listening to her? Yeah, that's possible. Okay. I, I didn't know what you thought or what anybody else out there might be thinking because, I mean, reaction was kind of mixed on Twitter. Right. So it's like, 
Yeah, it, it went either way. Like, oh, it'd be wrong to go back to the Rossi, or it's wrong to go back to the Belters. But it, it got got pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Because, obviously, the Behemoth is approaching the ring. It's like, all right, well, we know what we got to do. And then Drummer delivers this speech, because you can tell everybody's, like, kind of freaked out. Right. And I I think I was holding my breath, like, okay, is it only going to let so many through? What's happening? Because we don't know anything about this ring. No. And I was like, oh, God, what if they don't make it, even if they're going super slow? Right. But, man, that was a hell of a speech. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes, it was. And, again. Uh, Yeah, I think I tweeted out I'd follow Drummer anywhere. Right. (laughs) Like. Basically, Twitter, it's like, oh, she gets all the awards right now because it was great. Fired up the crew. And this is where everybody was like kind of banging fists or, or boots or whatever, except Naomi. Right. I don't know if it was more conflict or if what Drummer was saying, even though it was specific to the Belters, it hit Naomi on a whole different level where she's like, basically, it's family and you need to stand up and be one. And she realized that she left her family on the Rossi. Right. So I'm like, oh, she's going to fire her up. Just not the way you're thinking. Yeah. (laughs) So we next see Naomi trying to quietly board an exit hatch and get off the behemoth. But her access codes don't work and Drummer shows up. Oh, yeah, because somebody snitched. Yeah. Uh I don't like you. No. Drummer, you know, was like, why why wouldn't you talk to me about this? And she looked so wounded, and I was starting to wonder if they had, like, an intimate relationship, too. I think so. Because I was, I was confused there. I'm like, okay, was it just that they had a really deep connection because of their past? Because Drummer had said something previously about her past with an OPA operative. And I was thinking it was like that, or if they had an intimate relationship, I wasn't quite sure. Or if it's just like, you came here, I believed you, you know, now you're leaving. So I was a little, little confused. It could be a multitude of things, of course. Right. But then when she tells her, I left the Rossi for the wrong reasons, and I didn't think you'd let me go. Drummer's like, you underestimate me. Right. And she just opened it. And I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. And yeah, and painful. Naomi, Naomi tells her that she loves her. So I think that there was definitely more going on there than what we saw. Okay. See, I don't really necessarily think anything of it because I've said that to my friends, you know, especially if you're like, if you see that they're hurting. I don't know. Maybe it's a girl thing. Maybe it's an age thing. I don't know. Because I'm like, oh, my God, I love you. If you need anything, you know, you let me know. I don't. I, so I don't think of it as weird. Or, like, necessarily intimate. And I'm just like, I just thought that it was really personal. Right. And, of course, when Drummer's like, okay, go slow, I was like, oh, she does care. And then you see Naomi's like, hang in there, guys, I'm coming. Oh, they can't hear you. Right. (laughs) I'm like, oh, they don't know what you're saying, sorry. (laughs) Which made it even worse. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because on the Rossi, nobody knows what the hell happened and what's going on. No. <laughs> no. Insanity. But they know that there's some kind of weirdness happening, and they don't know if it's because they're in the ring, that their comms aren't working, but then they realize the missile isn't coming. It's like, well, technically it is coming, but it's not moving. Right. Because it doesn't look like it. And Alex had to do some kind of scan to see that, no, it is still moving, but... Really (laughs) Good thing they weren't talking like that. That would have been so freaking annoying. (laughs) Yeah, it's some sort of weird bubble. It's like, okay, this is good because it stopped it. When might it hit us? (laughs) It's like the next really important question. And um, We need to abandon ship. Right. But Alex is like, well, I don't think it's coming at us anymore. It's like, right. What? It's like, yeah. head well, scratcher. You got to figure that that missile wasn't going as slow as the Rossi was into the ring. 
Oh. It was probably moving pretty quick, like the belter was. Okay. So I have a feeling it kind of hit the brick wall there. <laughs> but it didn't explode like I would have expected. No, it didn't explode. So that's not good. Just like his ship didn't completely disappear either. That's true. But I don't think that's a good sign that it didn't explode, because what if that means you just gave whatever is in the ring a missile? Right. Dun, dun, dun. Not a good thing. No. So, of course, as they're still trying to figure out whoever sent that message of Holden as a belter terrorist, the light bulb over Amos's head goes flashing off. As he realizes it was Cohen who's been snooping around the ship. Oh, yeah. And then Monica was pissed. Because she looks Especially at him. Especially when he admits oh, to yeah, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because she looks at him like, what is he talking about? And, yeah, he's like, I didn't know it was going to be that bad. What? What? Yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, crap. Now what? Because Amos is going to turn him into, like, mush. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I kept thinking. He's going to beat him down, and what's next? But we don't get to find that out right away. Oh, no. No, no, no. Because the MCRN Yusin has also entered the ring. Yeah, I guess everyone figured, oh, okay. Hey, they slowed down. Maybe that's what we need to do. Right. Everybody got super brass balls all of a sudden because they all decided (laughs) to go in slow. Yep. (laughs) Telling you. And, of course, they're trying to get a target lock on him. Yeah, and Holden's like, uh, we need comms back. Comms, we need to talk. Yeah, quickly. Yeah. So he heads off to try to speak to Proto Miller. <laughs> With his awesome hat. And he keeps asking, yeah. what do you want me to find? But Miller is not showing up. No. And I wasn't sure if that meant... Because we had talked about assuming that the little piece of proto molecule that's on the ship is like the conduit for Miller right now. Right. Absolutely. I'm like, wait, is it once they went through the ring, like it disappeared? Like it got sucked back into the proto ring or whatever the hell we're calling it? Right. <laughs> because he just isn't there. It's like, what does this mean? Yeah. But we have Amos then who's like, all right, well, we need to get something. So he tries to coerce Cohen to help him. Right. Yeah. Coercing him. <laughs> Cohen doesn't know what the hell he did. No. Okay, but... He's absolutely clueless. But right then, he should have been like, here, I took this. Take this thing. This is what I took out. Right. Like, instead of saying, I don't know. I didn't know it was sabotage. I didn't know it... No, 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 no. Tell him exactly what you did. Give him the piece of, like, whatever floppy disk. <laughs> I don't know what the hell it was. Give that thing back to him now. Instead of, like, constantly saying, I didn't know. I didn't know. Well, you knew enough to take that out. Give it back. Tell him where you took it from. (laughs) Yeah. And, of course, he gives him the the piece. But, of course, Alex goes, I don't know what to do with it. That's a Naomi problem. Yes. It's like, ah, crap. And they can't call over and be like, hey, Naomi, what do we do? Yeah, exactly. I was kind of freaking out, though, because Amos, in order to get Cohen to work, work for us, I should say. Uh, he threatens to kill Monica. All right. Now, she was just as pissed when she found out. Now, unless right. she was a really good actress, I thought that was <laughs> kind of shitty. I mean, I get it, Amos. I get it. But, yeah, damn. But maybe that wasn't the way to go. Yeah, probably yeah. not. But while all this is happening. There, yeah. The Yusin launches a pair of probes at the Rossi. I was thinking, okay, are they thinking that this is a way to communicate. It'll be like a tin can and strings, whatever. Right. But that isn't exactly what happened. Because one gets gets past them, and it's like too fast, and it ends up hitting or the edge of the ring, what was next to the ring. Yeah. And so they see it's like it just disappeared. Yeah. It's like, oh, crap. What does that mean? Does it mean like this is essentially a bubble, almost like a little bubble pocket universe or something? It's beginning to look that way. And does that mean there's only so much room? And if they can't see the edge of the ring, how screwed are they? Big time screwed. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but now they know what speed they can go. And if they're getting out, they got to go right through the center. Yeah, don't get close. 
No. It's like, uh-oh. Yeah, and I loved it because it's like, oh, well, now we need a plan. Oh, good idea, Holden. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Captain Obvious. We don't want to touch the edge. Got it. Yeah. I'm sorry. There yeah. was moments in this episode I'm like, really, Holden? Really? Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like, yeah, if we touch it, we're going to blink out of existence. Okay, so that's not a good option. Got it. Yeah, no, good safety tip. Don't do that. Right. <laughs> Don't poke a bear. Okay, thanks. So, of course, the Mars ship decides it needs to uh, tell everybody to stay put. Yeah, like that's going to happen. Right. Maybe send out a message that this is like a bubble. We might all die. Maybe don't come in here. Right. Maybe that would have kept everybody like, oh, okay, wait, hold on. You want to explore? All right, gotcha. Right. And we won't send 12,000 ships in to make this big space really small, really fast. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. Now, of course, after uh, we we see Alex go down and check on uh, Miller <laughs> to see if he's talked to, I mean, Holden to see if he's talked to Miller yet. That was funny. And that... That was awesome. Right. Because he's like, I just wanted to check, but I didn't know if something's going on. And he kind of looks around. Okay, nobody was able to see him before, and you just thought, oh, maybe you you can see him now? Yeah. (laughs) Alex is so innocent. I love Cass Anbar. I can't help it. He was amazing (laughs) in his scene. And then Holden's face, when he's just like, hits the button just to close the door. Like, hmm. Right. And then yells for Miller. And Alex turns around and goes back up, only to find Amos about to space Monica and Cohen. I was like, holy crap, he's just going to space them? But they were in suits. Right. And then, yeah, Monica, or was it Alex? No, wait, rewind. Which one of them was telling Monica, put on the helmet? Amos. Yeah. Yeah, He's like, yeah, put the helmet on. And I was like, holy shit, I can't believe you were doing that. And I thought, okay... He's not just spacing them because he's having them put on suit. Right. What is he trying to do? Well, he's trying to send them to the Mars ship and inform them that what happened was not their doing. They've been sabotaged. Right. Now, the big question is, will they actually tell them? Or will Monica just be pissed off and not say anything? Right. That's very possible. But I... That award-winning documentary is probably still sitting in the back of her head, so she might. Yeah, and of course, Alex is like, please tell them the truth about the Sung Yoon. He's like, please, we weren't the bad guys. It's like, (laughs) but Monica just kind of looked like if she could have right at that moment, she'd have flipped him off. Oh, absolutely. Of course, she's helping Cohen put on his stuff because he can't see. And after he put the gloves on, it's done because he was seeing through his little his fingers, those thingies on his fingers. Right. So, yeah, I was just if it was more if she had more dexterity, I think in the suit, she'd have flipped him off. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And of course, we go back to Holden just pissed that he can't talk to Miller. It's like, uh, what the hell? We're running out of time. Yeah. And with everything happening, it's like, I'm just thinking, okay, will they actually tell them if they get picked up by the Martians? Or is something else going to happen because they're out there floating? Right. I'm not thinking it's going to end well. Alex no. doesn't. Alex basically says, I didn't think it's going to end like this. And no. the rest of the fandom is like, crap, now what? Ben Holden comes up with the bright idea that their only plan is to surrender. And try to reset the record straight. I don't know. But of course, it means they'll lose the Rasanati. Yep. And you go, no! Yep, I think that's pretty much a given. If anybody yep. else comes on board, they're just screwed. Yep. So, of course, Alex slows the Rossi down. Holden gives it one more chance to talk to Miller. And sure enough, Miller decides to show up. Finally! Yeah, wondering why they're changing course and slowing down. Yeah, and then Holden's like, wow, you seem to be, I don't know, put together a little better right now. Right. (laughs) And he says, signal's pretty good inside the ring. Yeah, it's like, what? And he tells Holden you should be trying to get to the the nucleus, the middle. Yeah, the crime scene. You want to know the truth. It's like, what do you mean? 
And then we do kind of see it, like they show an outside shot, and it's a faraway ball that's right. moving everything towards it. But it's funny. Yeah, because, it looks like the center of a black hole. See, I was thinking it looked almost like a brain, and then they kind right, of show right. it, show the ring from the inside out, and I'm like, and that looks like an eye. I'm like, what if this is like some weird giant head? Yeah. <laughs> that Yeah, of course, I went to a totally different different thing here. But it's funny right. because Holden's like, quit with all of the jargon and tell me just what's happening. And Miller's kind of like does a quick rundown in, I'm going to say legalese. And then right. he's like, yeah, go ahead, catch up. And then Holden just kind yeah. of looks at him. He's like, okay, I'll wait. crime scene, dr- <laughs> crime scene jargon it is. Let's go with that. And it's like, yeah, okay. And for a second, Miller starts walking like out of his room. And yeah. I'm like, is everybody going to see him now? Because that's what it seems yeah. like. Right. But we don't get to see if anybody sees him. No, we don't. Because the next thing we see is Holden in a space chute standing on the exterior of the Rossinati. Yeah. Just kind of taking in the whole outside. Weirdness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's when he sees the, the dark ball. He's like, okay, don't follow me, guys. What? Why did you just have the ship go that way? Right. That doesn't look like it's really close, and you're just going to take a quick little spacewalk out there? And why do I feel, because this is going on, Naomi's out there, Naomi's going to see him and be like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. And, like, <laughs> pick him up or something. I don't know. This didn't make a whole lot of sense, because if it was something really close, I can understand. He's like, okay, I want to save the ship. I'm not going to have it go. But maybe start going that way before right. you decide to, you know, just jump. <laughs> and did you bother to tell Alex and Amos what you were doing? Probably not, because they wouldn't have let right, you do it. wrestled your butt down. I don't know. Yeah, you'd been locked in your room. Ay, ay, ay. <laughs> Seriously, dude. I don't know. But that was this episode. There's a lot of, like... Wow. Yeah, exactly. Steve had it wrapped up. There was a lot of wow. <laughs> okay. Hey, Steve. Do we have any feedback for this episode? Oh, yes, we do. We have some audio feedback from our friend Fred from the Netherlands. So let's take a listen. Hello, Fangirl Zone podcasters. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for The Expanse Season 3, Episode 9. I will take another format for my feedback once more. Sorry, guys. I'm going to ask you to work. I shaped all my remarks and thoughts into a format of questions. Questions you may ask. Question 1. In the previous episode, but also in the announcement of this episode in the section of previously in the expounds, at the beginning we see Melba shove Rand's body into the cabinet and even breaking his neck to get him in. And she's wiping the blood from the ground. Why? I think that was on that, on that ship that she blew up later. Why, why did she wipe it up and shove him in there? if she's going to blow up the ship anyhow. Okay, second question. Melba proves to be Jules Piermal's daughter, his other daughter. She hides a message on Ren's mobile device, and this should reach her father, Jules Pierre. I really wonder if this is ever going to reach him, because 1. Does this bag really get to Ren's daughter? 2. Is that daughter going to listen to everything on her father's device? Three. Is she willing, and if yes, to get this message to an imprisoned Jules Pierre Mao? Or is this scene actually just there to provide us with information? Question number three. What is that whole scene between Anna and Tilly meaning? It takes quite some time. Are they actually flirting? Has this a deeper meaning, or is it just fill-up stuff? Four. Cohen, Monica Soundman, changed that isolinear rod. I don't know if you call that it's like that in uh, in the expanse. It is a typical Star Trek, I think, uh, techno babble uh, thing. In this episode, it shows that that Monica was not involved in that. What did this uh, soundman exactly do, and who is he working for? I didn't get that completely. Five. Will Monica and Cohen reach the Martian ship? Will they choose to say anything about Holden's innocence? And if yes, will the Martians believe him? Will they get back to the Rosinante? And if yes, how? Or will they never reach the Martian ship and will be picked up by Naomi? 
if she has space enough in her shuttle. She is flying around there, isn't she? She could easily pick them up. Okay, that were my questions. I wish you a lot of luck with them. I have to look if I can get my feedback out for episode 10 next week, because I will be uh, for five days in Milan in Italy to attend a Genetics International Conference. So, greetings, all the best. Fred from the Netherlands. All right, Fred. Well, Fred, you're right. You are changing up your format once again. (laughs) Making us work. What the heck, Fred? All right, so let's jump into your question number one. Right. Well, I think we kind of talked about it. I could be wrong, that she was cleaning up the blood basically because Steve said there was other people on the ship. Right, there had to be other people on that ship. Yeah, she just didn't want to get busted out too soon. Right, she had to get off the ship without being caught. Yeah, so that's why she shoved him in a cabinet after crushing his skull. Yes. And, yeah, so I think that that pretty much covers that part. Yeah. Now, as far as Melba being J.P. Mao's daughter. (laughs) Still a bit of a surprise. Yeah. uh, The odds of the uh, message getting to him, I think, are slim to none. I think that the bag will get to Ren's daughter. I think so as well. But will the now, daughter... Will the daughter listen to the device? I don't know, because if you've just lost your father, I think that's something that would be really hard to do. Yeah. So it may not even be listened to for a really long time. Right. And if she does hear it, will she get it to Mal? I don't think so. No, I don't either. <laughs> but I, I do think, yeah, part of it was just to give us the information at the same time. Right. What was actually driving Melba to do all this? And this definitely puts no doubt in anybody's mind that this is strictly revenge. Yeah. Okay, so question number three. Anna and <laughs> Tilly. Uh, I think she was flirting, but I think she was flirting to try to help get her way. Yeah. So that she, it, it didn't really have anything deeper than that. It was like, yeah, I'm, I'm married, but I want to see this and you could help me. Unfortunately. She was going to do basically anything she could to try to stay on board the ship. So I think Anna was, yeah, she's not being unfaithful. She's just trying to stay there to see the quote-unquote miracle. Right. Now, as far as Cohen, yeah, he switched out that isolinear rod, which apparently contained programming, which shut off their comms and their engines for the most part and their weapons and because he didn't really know what he was doing to me you know he tells him i never met who who paid me to do this well that had to be melba mouth yeah yeah i, I totally am on yeah, the, their opa is there's not they have nothing to do with this i really thought at one time that maybe it was johnson but no, it's Mal. <laughs> I'm on board with that. I do still think that possibly, and why am I blanking on the guy right now on the behemoth with Drummer, that he might somehow be... Diago? Yeah, that he might somehow be involved, though. Right. He might be a middleman between Mal, but I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, it's amazing. Yeah, I don't think... Yeah. And will they meet reach the Martian ship? I... <laughs> Question mark. I think it's possible. Yeah, I think it's possible that they can because things definitely work differently inside the ring than they do in normal space. Yeah. So I think they have a chance. I think there's a better chance that Naomi will get to the Rossi and get things working before the Mar- before Monica and Cohen make it to the Martian ship. Yeah, probably because, <laughs> like we said, Monica looked pissed. So... Yeah. I don't think she's too on board with talking too much. But at the same time, she may well throw Cohen under the bus. Right. Absolutely. Because if she is thinking about the documentary, she has that footage. It's not like it's in his head or something. And she can right. put this whole thing out about how my cameraman even sabotaged this. And I mean, I'm sure she's thinking long term, like, this could be gold for me. Right. And now she's going to be on a Martian and- ship. And what else can she get there? Come on. Right. And we will see. I kind of doubt 
even if Naomi sees them, that she will stop and pick them up. I think she wants to get back to the Rossi as ASAP and try to get their issues fixed. Interesting. Yeah, I don't. I don't think she's going to pick anybody up unless she does see Holden. Then I think it's going to be right. like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> well, those are some great questions there, Fred. And wow, you get to spend five days in Milan, Italy. Nice. I'm so sad for you, Fred. Yeah. <laughs> Milan. Yeah. <laughs> uh, beautiful town, but oh, my God, the traffic. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think when... When we were there, we went down to uh, Pisa for the day and coming, well, both going down and coming back, it took like two hours to get around, through and around Milan. Gee. Yeah. <laughs> so, and they got the big highway, you know, sort, you know, loop around town, but it is packed. Well, hopefully you get to enjoy some fun stuff other than just a conference out there. And if we don't get your feedback, that's fine. We will address it later on that's fine yes we will get to it just may not be on episode 10 all right well we hope you guys are all enjoying everything that we do and thank you so much for sharing your feedback and we hope others of you want to send some feedback so if you do want to send anything shoot us an email at sci-fi talk at fangirlzone.com or contact us at fangirlzone.com or Steve at fangirlzone.com or Sean at fangirlzone.com any of these we hear everything and, of course, check out the website where we have a contact page at www.fangirlzone.com. And then you can just click on that. It'd be easy, too. Direct message, Facebook message, email, all of the above. So while you're at it, if you can rate and review us on iTunes and any other platform you're finding us on, because good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us, tell your friends about the show because you need to get them invested in this, right? Because this is amazing. Oh, yeah. And, uh, of course, we hope you're enjoying everything. So, I'm super excited, and I feel like we kind of went long, and I'm sorry, but this was episode 200, and we were so excited. Yes, great episode for number 200. Yeah, so, for episode 200 of Fangirl Zone, I am Sean Fangirl S. And I'm Steve. You want to indulge in a selfish desire to be a part of something amazing. And until next time. <laughs>